Hey friends, I'm Jess Connolly. I'm an author, a coach, a Bible teacher, and a local church leader. And I love talking to real people who know what it means to have full lives, but also want to walk in abundance. This podcast is for you. It's not my podcast, it's ours. It's for people who crave lighthearted conversations and deeply spiritual truth. It's for people who are busy, tired, waiting, growing, dreaming, working, or praying about what's next. Wherever you're listening from, if it's quiet, mundane, or busy, I am praying for you and I'm so glad you're here. Let's go. There's no doubt about it. Marriage changes the way we experience friendship. Whether we're married or single, when covenant comes on the scene, relationships shift. This episode is for spouses who wish they were better friends, for single people who are wondering how best to prepare for friendship and marriage, and for friends whose relationship might have shifted since one or both of them got married. If you're married, single, if you have a ton of people in your life, or if you don't, this episode is for you. Listen with a spouse or listen alone. Just don't nag your spouse into listening because we're also going to talk about mansplaining and nagging in this episode too. Nick Connolly, welcome back to the podcast. So good to be here. I'm always so happy when you're here. I put on hard pants for this episode. Oh my gosh. You can't make me laugh the whole time. I'm not going to make you laugh. I just, that's how excited I am about this moment. (laughs) We use the phrase hard pants, but people sometimes, I've said it online before and people say, what do you mean? Hard pants mean they're not soft. They're not yoga pants. Yes. They're not sweatpants. Yes. They have a button. They have buttons. Yeah. Belts. Or a zipper. Loops. Yeah. Okay. I want to ask right off the bat. Okay. Am I your best friend? Oh Yeah. Really? BFF forever. Really? For real? For real? Easily. Easily. Okay. Do you perceive that our friendship is mixed up in our marriage? When did I become your best friend? I don't remember the exact subject of the moment, but I do remember the moment is I felt like there was a season where I sensed you talking to key people in your life about things before you talked to me about them. Yeah, yeah I want to so, talk about that for sure. Okay, so that that was the moment for me is, is I felt like there was just a shift of, of me saying, I wish that I could have heard those things or I wish yeah. that I could have been there for you in that way. So anyway, yeah. that's when I sensed the shift. Okay, so let's just go in deep right there because Perfect. I want to say that True story. When that shift started to happen for us, and I feel like you were really compassionate and clear and kind of said to me, like, I think other people are your best friend. I think Mm -hmm. you talk to other people more than you talk to me. Mm -hmm. Or I hear something after, like your sister, it was a lot my sister, your Mm -hmm. sister hears it. When that shift happened, I already had a podcast at the time. It was called the Go and Tell Girls podcast. Mm -hmm. And I did an episode. I touched on this. I talked about it. Okay. And I got a lot of feedback from people, interestingly. And I got a lot of feedback from people who said, my spouse does not have to be my best friend. My best friend's my best friend. Don't come for me like that makes my marriage happy. So I want to just say, I'm not coming for anybody. No way. There was a definite shift for us. I think what we're both saying is it happened during marriage. It wasn't like, I mean, you and I were really good friends when we started dating and we were really good friends Mm -hmm. when we got married. Mm -hmm. I think- Somewhere along the way, we became really, really good friends 
in our marriage, like yes. best friends. And I, I feel like this happened way before you're describing. But I, the, yeah, one of the probably. Things, one of the things I always felt is that there's no way that you can delegate intimacy in the marriage. And so I just was like, hey, I can't, there's no way for me to, it would have been very easy to say, oh, I'll just delegate all the feelings to your friends. Yeah. And then I'll just get the like wife parts. Yeah. But I think what happens in that is I don't, when you delegate the feelings, you essentially delegate the intimacy. Yeah. And if you don't have intimacy, it's really hard to build a marriage off of that. And so that was what I was sensing in my spirit. I was like, oh, we don't just grow apart in any relationship, whether that's marriage, friendship, whatever. We don't just grow apart overnight. Yeah. Like it's usually a gentle drift. And so I just, it was one of those moments in life where I was like, oh, we are at the fork in the road where I could just let this continue and not not in any fault of yourself or yeah. myself like we could drift apart or we could continue to move closer together. And so that was the the urge and the sense in my spirit. What would you say to a husband who's listening mm-hmm. who would say, I like that she doesn't tell me everything. <laughs> I, I appreciate that she gets all her feels out mm-hmm. with somebody else. I'm happy for her to just be my wife. Yeah. I think the one thing I would say is with, and I'm just speaking to marriage specifically, but also I think this applies in friendship is I think key relationships in our life thrive because we lose ourselves and we find a collective joining unit in the friendship or the marriage. And so going back to marriage, I think the process of marriage is essentially not losing all of myself, mm. but I'm laying down the things of myself and the yeah. desires that I have so that we can become the most one that we can become on this planet. And so I think, you know, with that instance or that story or that marriage, I think, I don't know. I'm, I'm not saying it can't happen. I'm just saying, I don't know how you become one Yeah, that way. Yeah. Like I, I don't know how you truly become one delegating the intimacy and the feelings and all the things out to other people. Yeah. And it, and it's hard. I mean, golly, don't you like there have been moments where it was where we wish we didn't have to talk about the things. 100%. Like we could have just done like rainbows, unicorns and kept it surface. Yeah. And I think we would have had on the surface a better relationship, yeah. but I think internally we wouldn't have been one or we wouldn't have been unified or we wouldn't have experienced intimacy like we had if we had the discussion. I think you're right. Okay. Now I want us to both speak to the wife who would say wife, fiance, gal who's dating, Mm -hmm. who would say, I don't talk to him because number one, he doesn't really seem to care. Mm. Number two, he tries to fix it. (laughs) Or number three, he just isn't that compassionate because I do want to say, and I hope, I don't think you'll mind me saying this at all. I do feel like a big shift in my, not only my willingness to share things with you, but my desire to share things Mm -hmm. with you was it had to do with your increase in compassion and care for things that I was going through. Or at least your expression of compassion. Maybe you cared before. But the number one reason now why I want to talk to you about anything in my life at all is because you care. (laughs) And you won't try to fix it. Yeah, but I went through a season of trying to fix it. And I think think that's, I still want to speak to the 
the wife. Yeah, I want to speak to her too. But holistically speaking, I think that's the deal is that you're not going to learn how to communicate feelings and intimate desires overnight. Like that's not yeah. how it happens. Like it's a process. And so the quicker you can start finding, which, I mean, we've said this in the past yeah. is like marriage is finding another language. Like it is. You, you will speak yeah. another language. You are forming your own nation, your own country, yeah. and you're going to speak your own language. Yeah. And so when you, you have to do the work of finding how to speak before you know what to speak about. Uh-huh. And so I think for us, like I had to learn how to speak your new marriage language. Same. And so with that was, okay, I can't fix everything. I want to fix everything. And, and, you know, a lot of times that's out of love. It's not out of like convenience. A hundred percent. It's like, I want to fix things. And you're like, no, I just, I just need you to listen. And it's like, oh, okay, I can, I can do that. And so I think it took years to know how to talk before we really got to even dive into what we talked about. Yeah. You know, what is something that I think is true for both of us? And then I want to speak to that woman, something that is a language for both of us. And I do want to talk about this even more in depth during this episode, but something shifted when we realized that everybody else was going to correct us and that we could be each other's safest place. Mm -hmm. So let me say explicitly, like if I'm having a conflict with someone, you have a kingdom mindset. Like you're not like, oh, they stink. Let's go slash their tires. Right. You're not going to say that, but you are going to like kind of air on, well, I I see how you got there, Jess. I understand how you're feeling that way. Yeah. You're not going to immediately tell me that I'm wrong. Yeah. In, the, I, in any like kind of outside wiring. conflict. Yeah. I'm always considering the point of views. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. I feel like you've gotten better at not considering other people's views uh, as priority like, and being like, your, Jess, I'm on your team. Yeah, I'm, I got your back. I got your back. Like, let's go get I them. got your back. No, but you're gang, never going to do that because you have a really kingdom mindset. Sometimes <laughs> I'm like, are we going to go slash their tires? And no. you're like, no, but I don't really want to. Anyways, let's move on. <laughs> What would we say to that woman? I think I would say to her, number one, you're right. You don't get married and immediately have this language. So Mm -hmm. be patient with your spouse. Number two, as in all things with marriage, you may have to go first. Mm -hmm. You may have to go first trying to be what he needs in conversation for a while for him to catch the gist of it. And by that, I don't mean 48 hours, which is my... If I am like, oh, Nick's really struggling with something, I'll try to be what he needs while he catches up to what I need. Mm -hmm. I usually give that about 48 hours before I yell, and that's not right. (laughs) So I'm just saying, you might need to give this patience a little more than 48 hours. But then the third thing is you can also compassionately and humbly communicate and say, number one, in a neutral time. Mm -hmm. So not while it's happening, but in a neutral time, Go to your spouse and say, sometimes I know you mean well, but when I come to you, it's something I'm excited, frustrated, happy, sad, confused about. This is how you respond. Mm -hmm. And I know you mean well. Because it's interesting. I feel like I actually do feel like a big shift for us has been me coming to you with things I'm excited about. Mm -hmm. Because for a long time, I felt like, and you felt like you had to be the breaks in our relationship Mm -hmm. because I would add on too many things. So if something exciting happened, I felt like I had to hide it from you Mm -hmm. or I felt like I had to like sneak it in Mm -hmm. or I had to say no. And I'll say, you know, it was actually this time last year that I 
that I was like, wow, we do not struggle with that anymore. And you know what it was? It was when I was already going on a trip to Las Vegas to speak. And somebody asked me to like come for a last minute trip to California. I was going to be gone 24 hours longer. And I was like, well, I don't even think I can do it. And I was telling you about it and saying like, I don't even think I can do this. And you were like, I don't even think you can consider not doing this. Mm -hmm. You have to do it. Yes. And then same with seminary. When I was thinking about seminary, I kind of kept trying to like downplay it for you. And that's when I realized like, we don't have that language we used to have anymore. Mm -hmm. I can tell you things I'm excited about. Yeah. What would you say to that, to the female who's like, you don't understand. He can't be my best friend because Mm -hmm. he doesn't respond well. Yeah. I don't know if I would like, maybe my encouragement is not, here's what I would say to you is here's my story is I came from a family where we did not communicate and did not speak. Yeah. Like there were no family dinners. There were no, like anytime you're not having dinner or conversing with each other, you're certainly not processing emotions with each other as a family. Yeah. And so I came in to life as a guy who I sensed like in our early friendship circles back in the youth group days, like I, I sensed, having the ability to have relationships. But when we started dating, I felt stunted in emotional conversation, all things feelings, all things processing. Whereas your family, <laughs> like you guys came from the other spectrum yes. of talking. Talk and, and feel a lot. Talk and feel a lot. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if I would say as much as here's what you need to do as much as I came from. Yeah a place where this was not the norm. And I felt like this was something that God did in my life and shifted in my life, but it definitely took time. And so maybe, maybe the thing I'm saying is patience. Yeah. I think the thing I'm saying is, is it does take a little bit of work. And so I think, you know, I've, I've gone to therapy. I've, I've gotten as much help as I can in my life and I've tried to process the best I can about what has happened in the past. Yeah. And so I think all that to say is it, it really does take time. Like it yeah. just does. And it is a whole other muscle that you have to learn how to use and grow that muscle. Again, you're probably going to have to work on the process of it just as much as you're working on the processing of things. It's good. So you're going to have to work on like, okay, how are we doing this? How does this work? And what are we saying in the midst of it? We're going to pause on friendship in marriage. We're coming back to it though. And now we're going to talk a little bit about friendship outside of marriage. Okay, let's do it. I want to talk about couple friends. Mm. So I was actually thinking about our life. What do you say? A couple I'm, friends? I mean, couple friends, like couples that you're friends with. Okay. We are a couple and we have friendships. Yes. Got it. Yeah. On the same page. With other couples. Yes. And then in a minute, we're going to talk about couples being friends with people who are not in couples. This is one big triangle. Carry on. Yep. Uh, So I was actually trying to remember our story and I was trying to think like through all the different parts of our life, you know, did we have couple friends? So I'm going to remind you of a few things that I know you remember. Number one, when we first started dating in high school, my friends, you tell the story all the time. My friends were in a like single ladies mode. Oh my gosh. It was the height of Destiny's Child. It was. It was the like height of Destiny's Child. Independent women. Yeah. Like, oh man. And we, it was our senior year. Yep. You had already graduated high school. Oh yeah. And you were basically an adult. And my friends were like, all the single ladies. And we were like, we are going to love life this year. Yep. We're all going to be single. 
And little did I know that I was going to be falling in love with my good friend, Nick. That's how it happens, though. When you pledge celibacy is when you usually meet your spouse. Listen, so you and I start dating. Our friends lovingly, but like kind of annoyingly, were not happy. Not happy at all. They toilet papered our car. Saran wrapped it. And Saran wrapped it on our first date while we were on our first date. And it froze that night and the toilet paper froze to your car Oh yeah, and ripped the paint off. The biggest thing I'm processing (laughs) in that moment is I've got to get this girl home on time. Yeah. It's our first date. Yeah. Like I can't, I don't have time to undo the madness. So I'm freaking out. Like how do I get her home on time on the first date? Which also, I don't know when this is releasing, but as we're recording this. Yeah. We're coming up on it. We're coming up on it. Yeah. Our anniversary. Yeah. October 27th. So then in college, you and I had a breakup. We were on a break. We were on a break at a very pivotal moment in college when everyone was meeting their friends. Yes. So you and I were on a break, a one month break while everyone was becoming best friends with their college friends. And all my friends knew is that I had this ex-boyfriend who I was in conflict with. We were on a break. Okay. I was not an ex. And you, your friends, I don't think cared. They didn't care about me. No, guys don't care. But they did want you to go on double dates with their with other girls. I do not recall that. Oh, my gosh. Yes. We're not going down this rabbit hole again. I know. I we saw can't. a picture. This can be extended. I saw Bonus. the picture and... Bonus cut. Yeah. Subscription. Yeah. Come back for that later. (laughs) So we got back together. Yeah. And all our friends hated us. Mm -hmm. I mean, they hated us. Yes. They were so mad at us. Yes. Because, you know, they had preconceived notions about who we'd be dating and what we would be doing and blah, blah, blah. But we didn't care. You and I, we were like Bonnie and Clyde. We did not care. Mm -mm. I remember we went to a Sunday school class with all our friends. Mm Mm-hmm. And they were also mad at us for getting back together. And you and I sneakily held hands under the table. Do you remember that? We didn't mm-hmm. care. We were like, you Living guys on the edge. It's you. It's, in, it's us. In the Baptist church. <laughs> holding hands. Oh, man. Okay. So we didn't have those a lot. We had Josh and Katie, who mm-hmm. I would say are like still our closest mm-hmm. couple friend, my sister and brother-in-law. But then in other seasons, I don't think that's been like a really big part of our life necessarily. Yeah. I think it's. Part of it is because of the ministry that we've yeah, been doing. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It's, you know, we're, we're serving and loving and trying to help people. Yeah. And so it, we tend to flow from who is God putting in our path yeah. versus, yeah. you know. Which in this particular season and really in the last 10 years, the standard for us has been, I tend to spend most of my free time with single women. That's not true. No, yeah. I'd say 50-50, mm-hmm. single women, married women, mm-hmm. but we aren't necessarily spending time with couples. Here and there. It's yeah, sprinkled. it's sprinkled. Maybe, I'm just, go with me on this. Bring it. Dating app, but for married couples to find other married I couples. I think that could get weird so fast. Okay, I don't want it to get weird. I Why know. did you have to go I'm there? Just, I'm just being <laughs> honest. That's what people are going to think. It's you You hang out together. <laughs> I, it's I'm with you. I'm with you. for the couples. Okay, so tell me, what's your dream? Okay, actually, I love this question. <laughs> what's your dream couple for us to go on like a double date with? Yeah, so I think one of the things that we talk about often right now is that life is so serious. Yep. And life is so grueling right now. Come on. Um, <laughs> he, like, you, amen. He amen, brother. He doesn't like it when people say, come on, no, and amen, and we're poor hearts. 
Yeah, I just you were getting into Sunday mode because um, it is. It's, yeah, it's, life is so heavy right now. It is so, and so all that to say is is the friendships that we have been enriched with in this season of life. Yeah, have been elements of fun, elements of of lightness. I think I yeah. don't think all of life is meant to be heavy. Agreed. And so I think anytime there's the connection based on not superficial things, but like lightness of, of yeah. being able to figure those things out. And then I think also being able to talk about real things in life, like sure. just being authentic, having authentic conversations yeah. and, and not just shooting the breeze. Cause I think we're both very serious people, which I, you know, now that I process that out loud, it's probably hard to find people who can keep it light, but also have exactly urgency in life to do things. Exactly. So Exactly. I would say something that I, I feel like I'll express is if I want to make sure also that our friends want God mm-hmm. and you know, that's like a thing for me. You know, something you said is, is key too, is, is obviously we have great relationships who people who probably wouldn't say that they've made the commitment to follow Jesus. Yeah. And the tension for you is when you hang out with people who have, and this is probably more of a tension in the South is that they've said yes to God. They're professing believers of Jesus. Yes. Yeah. And, but things are different in how they relate to us. Yeah. They, yeah, so. yeah. That got a little bit personal. So, you know, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, that's great. <laughs> Anything else you've learned from hanging out with other couples? I think what's hilarious is that we are all different as couples, but we're yeah. all processing and going through the same things. Yeah. And so the flavor of how it's expressed could be different, but the actual thing is, is very common and yeah. it's part of the journey. And and I think part of it is, you know, I don't know if we've ever said this on this podcast, but our youth pastor whom mm-hmm. we loved, who married us, mm-hmm. uh, is still in our life to this day. Mm-hmm. He said it takes seven to 10 years to yeah. go from me to we. Yeah. And of course we were in his office like... <laughs> Not we've us. Got, we've got, we're gonna we've be got so one wee. year, two years, yeah. and it's we, we're getting we t-shirts. Yeah. And it probably took longer than 10 years for us to go to we. Yeah, I think, I think I mean, closer me, to 12. From me to we, yeah. Yeah. And so anyway, all that to say is I, I think that is the journey. Yeah. And we all take different paths to get yeah. there, Lord willing. And so. That's good. Um, yeah. Let me tell you something else. This is me confessing. This is a real struggle we used to have, but I want to put this out there for people who might be having a hard time finding couple friends Mm. or who just really want to think intentionally about how they spend time with couples. Yes. A major friend, couple, couple friend turnoff for me is when they don't speak well to each other. This is why we need the app, like life speakers. We speak life to each other. Yeah. Yeah. This is a, like, I'm waving my white flag. You and I went on a date with another couple last weekend. We had a disagreement on the way home about a misconception about the way we had spoken to one another. Mm -hmm. We are not perfect is what I'm saying. No. We are not perfect about this. I used to be very critical of you in front of other people. Well, a big thing I used to do is interrupt your stories. I feel like I've gotten a little bit better. Oh, you're so, but in the motivation of that is you're the storyteller. I like to tell a story. Yes. But now a lot of times you'll look at me and say, do you want to tell it? But not to be rude. You'll (laughs) just say it before you start telling. (laughs) I sense you might want to tell this story. Yeah. But there were ways you used to talk to me. You, so I used to want to tell the story and you used to want to correct the story. Yes. If I said there were eight people in the room, you would say like, well, there were, there were seven. Big numbers. You are, you are. 
I think so. That's the like pastor in me is like, oh, we can't fudge the numbers. Yeah. Like this is what we're known 100%. for. Like we can't fudge the numbers. Yeah. Whereas I'm like, <laughs> to me, yeah, it's more dishonoring to like who we are to like correct me in front of that. Anyhow, oh, yeah. totally. all that being said, if you are like, we really want to have great couple friendships, I would say start with how you speak to each other mm-hmm. when you're in front. I mean, you should definitely speak to each other well when you're in private. Yes. But a lot of times the worst of our criticalness comes out in front of other people, like on a date. And I think we went on like couple dates for years that we, every time we get in a fight, mm-hmm. every single time. Yeah. And that was not it for us. Yes. Yeah. And the, but the problem wasn't the couples get together. The problem was like me and the problem was you. Yeah. 100%. yeah. And so I think that's something key to capture is yeah. that you sometimes write this off of like, oh, we're never doing this again. Exactly. And it's like, no, you need to do that because you need it for exactly. your life. Yeah. Friendships and relationships yeah. are necessary, married or unmarried. Yeah. And also you just need to figure out how to do it. So I asked you to really think about this question. And I'm going to ask you to dig deep. Okay? okay. I said that I hear a lot of women when I spend time with single women, when I spend time with married women, I hear a lot of them say, like, oh, my husband or my brother or my boyfriend or this guy I know, they, boys are so bad. Men are so bad at friendship. Mm. And I hear women talk about this a lot. And I want to give a gentle calling up to men who might be listening to this. Yeah. Just saying, like, listen, I'm not an expert. I might not even know your wife, but I will lovingly tell you the things I hear women say and offer it to you. And I'd like you to weigh in, but I would really like to give you an opportunity because you hear me talk about conflict in my friendships a lot. I would love for you to give women a calling up based on everything you've heard and your perspective. How am I calling up women or men? You can call up men specifically. Like what am I? Hey, like here's some ways I feel like you guys could do better at friendships. Oh, you feel uncomfortable doing that. I, I, so let me back up. I, I feel like, <laughs> I feel like women this are is like your blank slate. I've never, blank slate. No, it's carte blanche. Yeah. Is yeah. this on? I want to tell you everything that's wrong. No backing up. Let me start with men first. Okay. Is, is when I look at my, my, my life and the people that I've known over the, the brief years that I've been on this planet is that I think some of the most healthiest men I know come from a family where the father had modeled good friendships. Yeah, yeah. Like the guys that I know that are healthy and seem to have great souls in life saw their dad be friends with other men. Yeah. And so then they hit the ground running and they're able to be friends with other men in college. And, and yeah. so for me, I had to really figure this thing out and pioneer in my life what this looked like. And also for a lot of years didn't look like because I was by nature of life so busy. Like, I mean, when yeah. you think back to college, like I, we, we did not live the normal college life. Like I was yeah. working, I was driving back and forth with a mom who was dying from cancer. Like all these things were abnormal in my college experience. And so it almost felt like I had to grow up really quickly, mm-hmm. even to the point where we've talked about this is I was trying to get a vision for the next 40. So I just turned 40 trying to get a vision for the next 40 and I'm praying to God and I'm like, God, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? And I felt like God say to me in my soul, you spent the first 40 years of your life being an adult. And now I want you to spend the next 40 of your 
years of your life trying to learn how to be a kid again. Yeah. And so I think part of that beautifulness of when you watch kids, like you can drop our 10 year old off at a park anywhere in the city and he's coming back with five numbers and seven play dates. Yeah. And that's just because they know how to, to friends. make friends. Like it's just, it's, it's natural. And so I think for men, we get into the weeds of life and therefore we forget how to care for our souls. And one of the ways that our soul needs life is through relationships and friendships. And so what I've noticed in my own life is that if I make time for those things, the other parts of my life are better. Yeah. So if I'm worried about work, if I'm worried about things and how my professional life is going, like it's only going to get better if I invest yeah. in relationships. Yeah. And so I think going back to your question, like I don't know, I feel like women are relational beings and they do such a good job. And then the people who have a harder time probably are processing the same things that men are processing, which is, you know, wounds from the father. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, if there are women that I've known that have struggled relating with other women, it's probably sometimes wounds from the mom. Is that yeah. fair to say? Yeah. And so I, I think, I think all that to say is, the encouragement that I could have to women would be, you know, really dive into those things in your heart. hundred percent. Because looking back is probably going to help pave the way to a better future. That's really good. Yeah, that's really good. Okay. Well, can I give a few really, truly encouragements? These are not corrections for men. Absolutely. And I want you to weigh in on them. Okay. And, and I'm eager because I need all the help and the encouragement. A lot of times, you know this, I actually feel like I feel bad for men because women are also a lot better right now at creating content around certain themes that like no one is talking about for men. Mm -hmm. Body image is a great example. Yes. You know, if 97% of women struggle with body image issues, Mm -hmm. the statistic is that 95% of men struggle with body image issues and nobody's talking to men about it. We're not talking about that. But- One thing that we have been telling women a lot in the last few years is that there's no mold for femininity. Mm. You know, you can be a stay at home mom and you can be quiet. You can be loud. You can be good with creative things. You can be good with strategy. I don't necessarily know that anyone is telling men there is no model for kingdom masculinity, meaning your hobbies, your interests, how you like to spend your day. So like, I feel like I hear a lot of men say, well, I'm not really into hunting or like, I'm not really into Mm -hmm. golf or I'm not really into sports or I'm not really into X, Y, and Z. So I don't fit in here. And whereas women are saying like, you don't have to fit a mold. Yes. You get to be all of these things. I don't think that men are telling that. So I, all that being said, I I imagine that there's a narrative that keeps men from expecting friendship for themselves because they believe they don't fit some kind of arbitrary picture of what kingdom masculinity looks like. Yeah. So that's one encouragement I have, which again, I do feel like you embody that so well. Like you have never felt like you need to pretend to like what other guys like to be friends with them. And you're really good at inviting people into the things you like, but not needing them to love that. Yes. And I think the unique superpower in that is I think a lot of guys connect well over their hobbies. Yeah. But I think it has the adverse effect where it's like, oh, this is actually keeping us from connection. Yeah. But I mean, we we joke all the time, like the, the four-hour golf trip. I'm going to get to that next. Okay. You 
Carry on, sister. <laughs> well, I, so that's my point number three is the four-hour golf trip. <laughs> my point number two is that I have the cheat sheet for men right now. Okay. I'm about to give them the cheat codes. Okay. I'm about to give them the golden ticket. Okay. I hope you're listening. Men and women mm-hmm. will both respect you more if you acknowledge weakness. Yes. Let me go so far as to say... More women will be attracted to you if you're single. If you acknowledge weakness, your wife will be endeared to you if you acknowledge weakness. And and maybe to put some definition behind weakness is something we say all the time is vulnerability. Well, if you're vulnerable. Yeah. Not like I need 15 hours of sleep no. and no. woe is me if I don't. Exactly. Yeah. We're saying like, this is what I'm struggling with. Yes. This is what feels heavy to me. Yep. This is a sin that I'm, that I'm struggling yes. with. This is where I'm feeling sad. Mm-hmm. This is where I'm feeling discouraged. Yes. Guess what? Everybody knows you're experiencing weakness. You're not hiding it well. It's pouring out on all of us, but it's pouring out as pride. It's pouring out as addiction. It's pouring out as frustration and anger. Discouragement. Discouragement. Yep. It's pouring out as mostly, I think, pride, honestly, like an overcompensation. No one leaves a conversation with a man or a woman. This is not just a male issue. Yeah. But I don't feel like people are saying it Human to women. being People issue. are not saying it to men as much as they're saying it to women. No one leaves a conversation with someone who's telling you how great they are and how great everything is going and how strong they are and thinks like, wow, they're so strong. Yes. They think like, are they okay? Is he yes. okay? I can't tell you how many men I've walked away from a conversation with and they have really been telling me how great they are and how great their business is and how great mm-hmm. their life is. And I think like, I wish somebody would give that guy a hug. Yes. People will be so endeared to you if you're vulnerable. And I just want men to know that. And you'll feel better. You'll yep. feel better telling your wife what you're sad about and scared yes. about. She's not going to be scared of you. Like, mm-hmm. She's going to be so excited to be your partner in that. So, which is full circle. Yeah. The, the friendship comes through vulnerability, 100%. which is done through intimacy. Yeah. And you and I still have to talk about this. Like, even like two days ago, you said, like, I need you to know I feel X, Y, and Z. And I said, I would have never guessed that. Like, yes. I l- did not know you feel you felt scared or worried or stressed about this. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad to know that. Yes. Okay. My point three is just that you can, men, mm-hmm. be the one to start the more complex and in depth conversations. So, you know that I've had a little bit of a whiplash with the golf game. The first couple of times you went to go play golf, the golf game. <laughs> You don't play golf a ton. This is not like a a large part of your life. Yes. But when you did first start playing and you'd be gone for, you know, 17 hours. I play two times a year and both are with your dad. Yeah. But the first couple of times you went, I would be like, well, did you guys solve Solve. the world's problems? Exactly. Because that was eight hours away. And I feel like if I had eight hours with a girlfriend, we would start a new business, uncover our deepest wounds from childhood. Yes. Maybe figure out what color we are on the color wheel. Life plans, all the things. And you would just kind of constantly tell me, and I've heard this from other men too, like we don't talk like that. Like it's not like that. Yeah. And so in those moments, I usually can get there. It's just the interesting thing about those moments is I think sometimes it takes three hours and 30 minutes to get 30 minutes of good time with men. You're jumping over one wall, then the next wall, then the other wall, and you're finding the common ground. And then finally, you can talk about, you know, a few real things, and then it's like on to the next thing. Yeah. Okay. I want us to do lightning round of this question Mm -hmm. because I think we could 
talk about it for two hours. Okay. What would you say? And with all the compassion and even just like tenderness and like a blanket, like we're sorry you're experiencing this. What would you say to the married couple that says like, we are not friends. Mm. We are roommates. Yeah. We're business partners. We're co-parents. Yeah. We are not friends. Yeah. I think I would say number one, like that awareness is incredible Mm -hmm. because what that awareness does is it gives you a leg up because normally the other response is something ain't working. I'm out, you know? And so I think even just acknowledging those things is, is beautiful just to say like, Oh man, this is where we are. And then I think with that same next step is like, this is not where we have to be tomorrow yeah. or the next day. Yeah. And even though it feels hopeless, I think one of the things the enemy does is he tries to convince us that this is how it's always going to be. Yeah. And nothing will always, well, not nothing. Most things will not be how they always are if you do the spiritual work. Yeah. So you just, today, what <laughs> you and Benja always talk, one day or day one, that he thought you <laughs> made that up. <laughs> I told our son, Benjamin, that I made up the phrase, it's either one day or day one. And, and he, he was like, mom, that's really inspirational. He you were the coolest and I was person like, ever. I know it's really inspirational. So, and then he saw it on Instagram one day and day knew one. I didn't make it up. Yeah. Yeah. It's either like, we'll be friends one day or today's day one mm-hmm. of we're going to really try to be friends. And I, w- I would even say like, don't start, like you would never take a first, like a first interaction on a friendship, go out to coffee and so, and pull up next to that person and say, Hey, tell me about your childhood. Right. Like you would never say that. I mean, it might need to start with fun. Yes. Like you might, you might need to start with fun. Yeah. I I was going to say, if you're in a really tough marriage season, we are not experts. Mm-hmm. We're going to have Josh and Katie Walters on the podcast in a few months soon. They're going to talk about marriage yep. and I cannot wait for them, for you to hear from them. And I would say they are so much more knowledgeable about like really hard seasons in marriage. Mm-hmm. But I would say infusing fun if you're in a hard season and that could be hard. Like we have a lot of toddlers at home. That could be hard. Like we're going through something financially that could be hard. Like we've just been fighting a lot. I would say fun feels really important. Laughing together feels really important. It doesn't have to be expensive on that note. It might not feel natural at first. It might feel like, no, you don't understand. We have so many other things we have to talk about. Maybe pause maybe pause on them for a minute. Mm -hmm. Maybe say like, we do have so many things to talk about. We have so many issues we have to work out. And I'm not saying don't deal with those. I'm saying do, but also go ahead and infuse fun and joy into your relationship as much as you can and learn to do that together. I want to make a like one minute case for date night. In the last few years, I feel like there's been this narrative around date night that's like, don't believe the lie that you have to go on a date every week. And like, it's not always like that. And I want to say it's not always like that. But I do want to say you and I have lived in a lot of different seasons of our marriage. Mm -hmm. We have had so many kids, Mm -hmm. (laughs) four. We have lived through poverty, like real Mm -hmm. true poverty. We have lived out of town from our family. We've lived across the country from our family. 3,000 miles. We have been in ministry. We've done grad school together. We're doing grad school together right now. We've planted a church. I want you to stop me if I'm wrong. We've pretty much had a date every single week. For the majority of our marriage. We have, we have tried. We I mean, have we really are, tried. We are we working with good odds. So back when our kids were little, I set up a babysitting ring oh, in yeah, our city. Oh yeah, you had like a, 
like a pyramid entrepreneurial. Yes. And it was a swapping yeah. system yeah. where all the wives swapped and did childcare or the dads sometimes and yeah. did childcare for each other's date nights so that we could get date nights. So one night a week, I went over to a friend's house and watched her kids. And then another night that week, she would come over and watch my kids. And I just want to say, just try and fight for the date night. Mm-hmm. Just try it. Just try it. Don't immediately say like, well, this is our limitation. It's never going to happen. Our life's too busy. Maybe something needs to change in your life if it's too busy. I would also add to that, like streaming ain't it. Like you- Watching a show together Yeah, watching. Like I I know that there are times when you have to do the like at home thing. Yeah. And and that ain't it. The date night can be free. Yeah. Go on a walk outside. You and I, what we utilized a lot in our in our like harder financial years was a Barnes and Noble date night. Oh yeah, we'd get a coffee and we'd read magazines, magazines. together, yeah. and that changed our life. We went on a lot of walks, yeah. but like maybe fight for the date night. And then I want to say I want to make a plug for fighting for the pre date night meeting because you established this in our marriage a few oh, years yeah. ago. So now there's a calendar reminder in Nick's phone. Still, right? It's still there. I'm sure, it is for Thursday afternoons because we almost always go on a date on Thursday night. Mm-hmm. So Thursday afternoon, he started instituting like a check-in, like, hey, is there anything we need to talk about? Like, is there any conflict? Is there any planning? It's the conversation before the it's conversation. It's the conversation before the conversation, yep. because what we would realize is that we would save all our conflict, all our planning, all our tense things for date night. And mm-hmm. we fought, we have fought in every restaurant in Charleston, yeah. South Carolina. Oh yeah. And then we decided, I actually made a decision. I think it this was in 2021. expensive way to have heated discussion. It is an expensive way to fight. And I think I decided in 2021 that my, my new rule was if we fought on date night, we had to redo it that week. Yeah. And that also, that investment makes you not fight. Yeah. I was like, I ain't paying for this anymore. No. You can just yell at me for free. I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, my favorite thing is when you started telling me, I'm not going back to any restaurant that we got in a fight yeah, in. You were like, like, I'm not going back to that so restaurant anymore. I just need anymore. you to know, if you like this food, we if are not coming If you like this food, here. you better chill. <laughs> we can fight tomorrow. Yeah. We can fight tomorrow for free. I want to pause here before we go to our very last question. I want to say we haven't actually, we didn't even get into a ton about single people and married people being friends. Annie Downs did an incredible podcast Mm -hmm. series on this. I got to be on one of the episodes. We're going to link to that in the show notes, but I do want to just make a tiny, tiny, tiny case for married couples. Get single people in your life, be friends with them and invite them into your rhythms, Mm -hmm. not because you're being nice to them and you're doing ministry, but because you need to learn from them. Yeah. It's just like incredible richness of friendships and perspective. And and we need those. Like I need to, I think a lot of times when you're in certain seasons with, with family or in marriage, it's like, you forget how to dream. You forget how to live. Like you forget how to, how to do the things. And I just, I love people in my life showing me that I can still do those things. Absolutely. Absolutely. Single friends, if you're listening, if I could just make like a quick case for like, Hey, this is how to be a great single friend to a married person. Just some quick tips that you might not know. If your married friend comes to you venting or processing her marriage, do not bash her spouse. Mm-hmm. Do not say like, oh, right, he's a jerk. He's the worst. Can I tell you a funny story about our friend Kristen, who is married now, but I was very good friends with her while she was single. Mm-hmm. My favorite thing about Kristen, that she said this was actually while she was married, but all single people can take note. This was recently that I was like kind of venting to Kristen about a marriage thing. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, so hard, blah, blah, blah. You know, and I was like, and Kristen, like, it's so hard because I'm like a pretty good wife. Like, I'm kind of a peach. Like, <laughs> 
<laughs> it sounds like I'm being sarcastic, but I no, wasn't. You, sure you and I was like, I just feel like I, I'm like not that hard to handle. And like, I'm a, I don't know. I'm a peach. And Kristen said, yeah, you just keep on thinking that. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, she was like, I just want to be honest. Like I validate everything you're feeling. Yes. Everything you're feeling is real. You may not be the easiest person Aww. to like, be married to all the time. I can't remember how she said it, but it was so loving and so kind. So it may feel very loving if your married friend comes to you. This goes whether you're married or single, but it mm. may feel loving if your friend comes to you and it's like, my spouse did X, Y, and Z. It may feel loving to say like, yeah, they stink or he's the worst or she stinks or like, oh, how could they? Don't do it. Mm -hmm. Don't do it. Like treat your friend's spouses like image bearers of God, mm -hmm. even when they're in a fight. And I think too, like, I don't know if this is how maybe that this comes from a place of maybe if the, the single person is hearing that and like, I think sometimes we put stipulations on things that maybe proclaim just because you're married means you know more. Yeah. And I think that exactly. is the furthest from the truth. Exactly. And so if, if, if I was in that situation and and that was happening. I wonder if the single person is coming from a place of like, oh yeah, because they're married, so clearly they know. Like that, that just because like one is married doesn't mean one has wisdom. And hundred percent, yeah. And so I, I think I just I appreciate every perspective and every outlook. Yeah. And just because married or single, it doesn't. The station in life doesn't determine like you know, our hundred percent, our wisdom and things. And, and I just, I love different perspectives. And so I, I would yes. just say that you don't have to vibe with a married person. Exactly. Because you might have some wisdom that they need to hear. And married friends like, yeah, don't say like, well, I can only talk to this to my married friends because they get it. Oh my gosh. Single people understand humility. Yeah, you Single people understand wisdom. Single people understand sharing. Yeah. Single people understand patience. They understand all of these things. Get wisdom from wise friends. Yeah. Go to wise people to get wisdom. Yeah. Okay, lastly, let's do it. We're going there. I'm so glad we didn't mm. make this into a whole episode because that was a bad idea, but that's originally <laughs> what I wanted to do. I want to talk about mansplaining and nagging. Yeah. And I want to say that, we are the chief of all sinners, mm -hmm. but God has brought, I believe really a ton of healing to our marriage yeah. in the areas of mansplaining and nagging. Yes, I have asked you all week. I first asked you to give an example of how I used to or currently nag you about. And I decided that I would rather be married. You declined. <laughs> yes. I said, babe, just give me one example. <laughs> just give me one example. Yeah, I like our marriage. So I'll say some things that I have struggled with nagging about in the past. And I want to say as a banner over this conversation, I think that we nag and we mansplain because we mean well. I think mm -hmm. we want to give wisdom. I think we want to help each other. We do. Mm -hmm. Whether you're married or single, men, women, whatever, like we do these things because we want to help. So most of the time, I think. Yes. But things I have nagged you about in the past would be, I mean, I just can't think of anything I haven't nagged you about in the past. I would say <sighs> your parenting. I would say the way you pastor. I feel like I nag you about big things. I would yeah. nag you about big things. Yeah. I don't care about small things. Yeah, don't, I don't care about don't laundry do on the floor. I don't no. care about stuff like that. I would nag you about, but like, are you going to do this? Have you thought about this? Are you mm. going to try this? Have you, have you called so-and-so? Mm. Those would be my areas of concern. Yes. Yeah. And the mansplaining, I think, again, going back to that is, is just like out of a heart of let me, well, so my personality is very much, and I've, I've learned how to, 
I think pivot from this, which has been very healthy for me is there's a right way and there's a wrong way. Yeah. And I think sometimes when I would mansplain it's, well, there's a right way and there's a wrong way. And usually it's my way. That's the right way. And so let me show you how to do it. And so at its worst, it's that. And then at at its like best, it's like, oh, I just want to teach. I want to instruct. I want to train. And so, you know, that those things are beautiful in their moment. And so where you do probably big things, I'm small things, which probably drives you even more nuts. Yeah. So like, Hey, here's how you load the dishwasher. And you're like, well, you just put the dishes in there and and here's how you do this or here's, and so I think when I think about that, it's just so funny that our personalities are, you do big, I do small and and both are hard because you only want to see the big or talk about the big. And I sometimes care about the small things. And so what I was thinking about when you were talking is what would kill both of those things and it's something that we've been talking about yeah. a lot, and that is questions, yeah, like curiosity, yeah. Like, hey, why do you do it that way? Or tell me what, yes. how you, why did you handle this way? And so, because when you hear sometimes people's motivations behind the action, yeah, you're like, oh, I didn't even think about that, yeah, oh, I didn't even consider that, oh, I didn't even think about that being a thing for you. And so, yeah, I, I've just in my leadership and in my pastoring have just been so surprised of the power of questions. Yeah. And it's, I'm not like putting someone under a light and like trying to get them to confess to anything. I just generally want to understand and know why they did what they did and what they were thinking in that moment so that maybe I don't need to help them. Maybe I just need to listen or maybe, you know, once I hear what's happening, I can help them better. And I think one of the things I've noticed about society and culture is that we have hardcore pronounced judgment over people yeah. based off of one instance rather than really trying to see what's under the hood. And so yeah. I think for marriage, you know, the question of why did you do that or why did you say that or why did you respond that way is not like accusatory. It's like, hey, no, seriously, tell me why you think I should handle it this way. I would love to know more. Yeah. And when you do explain it, I'm like, oh, there's that's that's right. Or if you do say something, I'm like, oh, that's not, maybe let's pause on that. You know, and so yeah. I, think it, I think it's been very helpful for me, at least moving. Can I tell you what I think is the spiritual kick in the teeth to Satan for both of these things? Yes. So for mansplaining, I think it's honor. Yeah. And that's what I see you do really well. And when I first told you, I thought we should do this episode. It was back in June. And I was like in the shower and I got out of the shower and I was like, Nick, we need to do an episode on mansplaining and nagging. And I will see you be in a conversation with someone that you'll be asking them questions. And I'll know you're basically an expert on that subject. And you didn't come in and say like, I'm an expert on this. Let me tell you, you still ask them like, what do you know? I always and you honor them. New. Yeah. I, I love learning. Yeah, And I would say that, like honor is the kick in the teeth to Satan mm-hmm. for mansplaining yeah. men and women, both yeah. of us looking at other men and other women and saying like, you're so good at this. God's really grown you in this. Tell me how nagging you need to. Yeah. But I, you know what I think it is for nagging? What? I think the spiritual kick in the teeth for nagging is speaking life over who you believe someone to be like in their core, which is honor. It's honor, saying yeah. you're right. But, but, I, so, but I love that, how you said that. Instead of me saying like, hey, have you talked to the boys about X, Y, and Z? I just really think you should take them on a date and talk about X, Y, and Z. Instead, me saying to you like, babe, you're a good dad. Mm-hmm. Or if I see something 
left on the floor that's bothering me. Instead, like not faking it, but saying like, thank you for how you take care of our house. Mm -hmm. Then like noticing and paying attention to like, what what was he doing besides picking up his laundry? A million other things for me. And then speaking life and like, and I don't know, like your spouse actually, you have so much capacity and authority within your spouse within your marriage to say, this is who you are. Mm-hmm. I see who you are. Mm-hmm. Get after it. I'm so proud of you. Yeah. Okay. Listen, this is our spoiler alert. You're coming back on the podcast in one month. Nice. And in one month, we are going to release more information about an offering that we are creating together yes. for I'm men so and for women. If you want to hear more about it, we are, we're making it for men and women. You don't have to be married. Yes. It's, I can't tell you any more about it than that right now. It's top secret, but I can tell you that it is going to help you with your whole life. I think one of the things that we have been noticing is, is that, can I share the phrase that we were talking about yesterday? Yeah. Is that I think people are more tired than ever. I think more people want to give up than ever. Yeah. And I think more people are on the cusp of missing out on their God-given purpose and destiny than ever. Yeah. And so we want to help people get there. Yeah. And we want to we want to walk with them and figure out what does it look like to help you rebound from discouragement and defeat yeah. and feelings of exhaustion. Yeah. And step into the thing that God's called you to step into. And so for someone out there, maybe it is a reboot and revival of like, man, I I thought I knew the dream, I thought I knew the goal, I yeah. thought I knew the destination. And so I just need to I need to refocus and revive my heart toward those, towards those things. I've been sharing that with, with you for me. Like I, I've, yeah. I've just hit a place in life where I've got to recover the thing that is lost yeah. in the murkiness of life. And then some people out there are like, man, I, I think, I think there's more in me than, than I'm accessing right now and just need a little more guidance in that. And so this is for them and we, and we want to help them walk in the things that God's given them to do in this life. That's good. There's going to be a link in the show notes of this profile that says like, I want to be the first to know about Mm -hmm. what Nick and Jess are doing Yep, and we'll tell you, but you're going to come back on the podcast in a month and we're going to talk about it. Yes. And, and I can't wait. If you like and subscribe on my YouTube channel, I'll tell you now. No, I'm just kidding. I don't you have did, you, one. You can't tell people that. They're going to think you do have a YouTube channel. <laughs> That's what when our kids, they watch it. It's like, like and subscribe. And I'm like, I could just start telling people that. All right. Will you pray for us? <laughs> pray for me. You need to pray for me. Pray for me. All right. I'll pray for us. Yeah. Father, I thank you for this podcast. I thank you for this time. And God, I just pray that you would go beyond these microphones into the lives of uh, the people listening. And I just pray for restoration and relationships. God, I just pray that you would begin to heal the places that are in our hearts from people. I think about the enemy and I think about his strategy and he's doing nothing new in this world. He's playing the same old song. It's just that he wants to use people to hurt people and wound people. And God, I know you want to restore those wounds and hurts and revive relationships. And so, Father, I just pray for that. I pray for that in normal friendships and relationships. I pray that within married relationships, that you would just restore the intimacy that the locusts have stolen and that you would just do what only you can do. And Father, I just pray for the person who is probably just in their mind, heart, and soul don't think they could ever trust again because they've been betrayed and hurt so badly. I just pray that you would just help them learn to love and trust again um, so that they can uh, experience the abundance that comes from relationships. 
I just do not want past wounds to rob them of the abundance that God has for, that you have for them. And so, Father, I just pray that that would be what you restore and what you do, that you would just heal in the places that only you can do. Father, we thank you for this time and thank you for our friends. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Friends, I'm so grateful you listened to today's episode. Thanks for spending time with me. It would mean the world to me to connect with you. So you can send me a DM on Instagram at Jess A. Connolly or head to my website, JessConnolly.com for more ways to connect. If you have a minute to subscribe and leave a review of the podcast wherever you listen, it would massively help us reach more people with the good news that they can live fully awake. Let's go. Let's go.